Welcome to episode 201 of the Truth Quest podcast, the truth about May 2022. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and topics such as the doomsday cult, formerly known as the Democratic Party, or the baby formula shortage, or the Constitution, specifically what's not in it, or communism in America, or the empire of lies comes up, please share the topic-specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partner. Episodes are available on a host of platforms, including iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, BitChute, Rumble, and Instagram, where I post a short highlight of each show at instagram.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Whatever platform you may be listening to this on, please take a moment and give it a five-star rating, hit the like button, or leave a positive review. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through online advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. The month started out with yet another crisis caused by the astonishing level of ineptitude demonstrated by the United States federal government a baby formula shortage in the United States of America. This is the type of shit that goes on in places like Venezuela or Puerto Rico or some African nation, and the United States always rides to the rescue. But no, not so. In the America run by a doomsday cult formerly known as the Democratic Party, we have shit like this going on now on a regular basis. The federal government is so large and expansive, it is so far outside its constitutionally granted boundaries, that it can even cause a shortage of all things baby formula. Check out the previous episode, episode 200, for a deep dive into the doomsday cult, and episode 199 for a deep dive into the baby formula fiasco. A draft of a majority opinion from the Supreme Court was leaked to the media during the month. In it, Justice Alito, writing for the majority, overturned both Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey, essentially ending federal jurisdiction over abortion and sending the authority back to the states, which is the only conclusion one can arrive at since the word privacy and abortion and health care and murder do not appear in the actual document for which the Supreme Court is supposed to be using to interpret the validity of the cases that they hear. The left went batshit crazy because they worship the killing of innocent babies in the womb. Many of these pro-abortionists appear to be possessed by the devil or some other evil spirit, given the vile nature of their protests. Activist groups threaten to burn Eucharists in a display of disgust towards Catholics' bigotry. They even staged a nationwide effort to disrupt Catholic masses, because, after all, the Catholic Church believes in protecting human life only something the devil would be opposed to. These lunatics protested outside the residence of conservative Supreme Court justices in direct violation of a federal law against jury and judge intimidation. The Department of Justice, demonstrating yet again that they are nothing more than a tool of the National Democratic Party, failed to enforce the law. Justice Alito reportedly had to go into hiding. If they can force Supreme Court members into hiding, what can't they do? This is tyranny. This is mob rule. You know why leftists are going nuts over the leaked Supreme Court opinion? Because they know if the majority opinion is published as written, we will likely see thousands of lawsuits in the coming years challenging the constitutionality of hundreds of unconstitutional federal agencies and federal programs. 
Think about all the things the federal government does that are not in the Constitution. First of all, we already know that privacy and abortion are not in the Constitution. Neither is assault weapons or bump stocks. There's no government-managed Ponzi scheme retirement plans. There's no welfare programs or infrastructure spending. There's no mention of a central bank or paper or digital currency. There's no mention of student loans, mortgages, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Jenny Mae. There's nothing in there about flood insurance or fair housing. There's nothing about education, health care, health insurance, corporate bailouts, fuel mixture standards, light bulbs, the environment, carbon dioxide emissions. Nothing about energy, labor laws, occupational safety. Nothing about transportation, food, pharmaceuticals, disease control, farm subsidies, small business, consumer protection, land management, equal employment opportunity. There's no mention of national endowments for anything. Nothing in there about drugs. Can't find tobacco mentioned. Marijuana sure isn't in there. And nor is cocaine. Nothing about medical research, vaccines, or masks. You can't find anything about wildlife or fish or forestry or mine safety. Can't find anything about national parks either. I can't find anything in there about federal land ownership. You won't find Homeland Security, the CIA, the NSA, the Peace Corps, Consumer Protection, Army Corps of Engineers. There's nothing in there about election laws, border security, regulating financial companies, or the FDIC. A female inmate at a women's prison in New Jersey became pregnant after having sex with a transgender prisoner, leading some to ask, why are there separate prisons for men and women if there's no difference between the sexes and the word woman cannot be defined? Our overlords in D.C. sent more money to Ukraine to continue the proxy war with Russia. Our brave men and women in D.C., they're willing to fight the Russians down to the last Ukrainian. I just can't imagine why the world has come to hate this country. We just can't help but poke our nose in every friggin' conflict. So instead of hosting peace talks, we sent an additional $40 billion to Ukraine. There was bipartisan support for the bill. Keep in mind the magnitude of that spending. It's more than 5% of the entire U.S. national security budget. Oh, and then the U.S. admitted involvement in the killing of Russian generals and the sinking of a Russian battleship. Do you think our idiot representatives in D.C. care that they are poking a nuclear-armed bear? The U.S. has now authorized and or sent $60 billion to Ukraine. Did you know that the entire GDP of the country of Ukraine is $155 billion? So, the United States, which is experiencing inflation not seen since the 1970s due to unprecedented levels of money printing by the Federal Reserve, is going to print more worthless U.S. dollars and send them to Ukraine to continue the proxy war with Russia. These people running this country are a bunch of short-sighted, power-hungry, money-grubbing whores. They don't care about you or your pocketbook, and they sure as hell don't give a damn about the Ukrainian people or the Russian soldiers, for that matter. Filmmaker Dinesh D'Souza's latest project, 2000 Mules, debuted on May 2nd. In it, he proves that large-scale illegal vote trafficking occurred in the 2020 election. He told one reporter, quote, 2000 Mules will settle the issue beyond a shadow of a doubt by using two powerful, independent modes of investigation. The evidence is so conclusive, so decisive, that it leaves nothing to argue about. D'Souza explains that an investigative team used cell phone tracking and video footage to prove that unauthorized intermediaries called mules collected thousands of absentee ballots from voters and deposited them in drop boxes for money, which is illegal in all 50 states. 
The film grossed over a million dollars in the first 24 hours on Rumble and Locals. The Alphabet Soup conspiracy media ignored it, including Fox News. What's that about? With Biden winning these battleground states by between 11 and 12,000 votes, and there being hundreds of thousands of fraudulently cast ballots, it is not a stretch to say the 2020 election was stolen, and we are paying the price today, literally. What do I mean by paying the price today? Try these stats from May. The Consumer Price Index was up 8.3% year over year. Prices for food at home increased almost 11%, the largest 12-month percentage increase since the period ending November 1980. The Producer Price Index for goods was up 16% year over year. You know what that means? That means future inflation for us consumers. There were 12 straight days of gas price increases. Another record. For the first time, the average price of gas in the United States was over $4 a gallon. Another record. We also saw the highest diesel prices of all time. Biden characterized the soaring cost of gasoline in the United States as an incredible transition into a non-fossil fuel environment. And, quote, God willing, his words... We'll come out of it okay. The doomsday cult, formerly known as the Democratic Party, blamed COVID for the price increases, and then they blamed the supply chain disruptions. Then they blamed Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Then they spent a good month floating the Putin's price increase line. Now they blame price-gouging gasoline sellers. The truth is, the increase in energy prices is totally done on purpose to force Americans to buy electric vehicles and use less energy in order to save the planet from climate change and of course, centralize more power in D.C. By restricting drilling on federal lands and waters, and no importation of Russian oil, we have what we have. All of it done intentionally. Let's continue the list. We have a 30% year-over-year increase in homicides. Migrant encounters at the border last month, another record! We had negative GDP growth in the first quarter, 40-year high inflation rate, stagflation, and a recession. We have the encouragement of the war in Russia. A CBS News poll was published in May, demonstrating that 74% of those surveyed feel like the direction of the country is either somewhat or very bad. 69% rated the economy as fairly or very bad. And Joe has a 56% disapproval rate. Here's a couple other stats from that poll. The question is, do you approve or disapprove of the way Joe is handling this? The economy, 64% disapprove. Inflation, 74% disapprove. And on the issues of immigration, crime, and abortion, 60% disapprove of the way Joe Biden is handling those issues. But on the bright side, there's no more mean tweets. After holding interest rates at near zero for, what, a decade or more, and printing and injecting more worthless U.S. dollars into the economy than ever imagined possible, Americans' chickens have come home to roost. I'm referring to the stock market, which was fueled by the cheap money. The housing market, also fueled by the cheap money. Malinvestment business enterprises and projects fueled by cheap money. And, of course, inflation, i.e. the increased money supply, which is causing record-breaking prices of everything we buy. It's too bad we cannot live under the constitutionally mandated limited federal government. Instead, we are not much different than most communist countries with a highly centralized power base, so when mistakes are made, hundreds of millions are forced to suffer rather than thousands if the same thing had been done in a decentralized manner. 
i.e. the laboratories of democracy that you've always heard about. 50 states trying 50 different methods to solve a problem with those with the best results being utilized elsewhere. So John Durham took Michael Sussman to trial during the month. He is the former attorney for Hillary Clinton and I think the Democratic National Committee. He was charged with lying to the FBI, which, let's be honest, shouldn't even be a crime, given that they're known as the FBI lie. The jury, comprised of mostly Democrat donors, heard evidence of the FBI lying over and over and over again during the trial. In the first day of the trial, an FBI agent said that it took him and another agent, quote, less than a day to determine the allegations about former President Donald Trump having ties to a Russia financial institution were false. Later in the trial, it was proven that Hillary Clinton personally approved the dissemination of the Trump-Russia bank allegations to the media. Despite that fact, we found out that the higher-ups in the FBI on the seventh floor were fired up about the allegation, and from that lie, they opened an investigation against Trump. We also found out that the FBI higher-ups lied to their own agents, telling them that the lead came from the Department of Justice. The FBI brass created a fake DOJ referral. When an agent asked to interview the source of the referral, it was refused. All of that, of course, confirmed what anyone who has paid the least bit of attention already knew. James Comey, the former director of the FBI, lied to Congress under oath, and his agents lied to the FISA court about the Trump investigation. Sussman was, of course, found not guilty. Justice is only available for Democrats in D.C. This leads one to wonder, how did Robert Mueller spend two years investigating Trump-Russia with a team of 19 lawyers and $40 million in resources, 40 FBI agents, 2,800 subpoenas, 500 search warrants, and 500 witnesses? How did they have all that and not find out that Hillary Clinton created the hoax they were investigating? Now you know why Trump calls D.C. a swamp. An 18-year-old shot and killed 10 people in a Buffalo, New York supermarket. Another 18-year-old shot and killed 22 people in an elementary school in Alvalde, Texas. Beyond renewed calls by the Doomsday Cult, formerly known as the Democratic Party, to take the guns away from all law-abiding citizens, leaving them only in the hands of criminals, the first shooting in Buffalo was 24-7 news for close to a week. The latter had about a 48-hour life cycle. What's the difference, you might ask? Well, the Buffalo shooter was immediately tagged as a right-wing white supremacist by the alphabet soup conspiracy media and prominent and not-so-prominent members of the doomsday cult, formerly known as the Democratic Party. And by some strange leap of logic, they blamed Fox News' Tucker Carlson for instigating the shooting over something called replacement theory. The only problem was the shooter wrote a manifesto clearly identifying himself as a radical left-wing loon bag. So the efforts to tar and feather all non-Democrat white people for the Buffalo shooting fell on deaf ears of anyone who's a free-thinking person. Oh, I failed to mention that all the victims in the Buffalo shooting were black, as it is pretty clear from the manifesto that the shooter is a raving racist. But see, normal people think murdering human beings regardless of their skin color or nationality or any other line of distinction is horrible. But not the alphabet soup conspiracy media and the doomsday cult formerly known as the Democratic Party. They must always find ways to sow seeds of division among the American people. In addition to murder and weapons charges, the Buffalo shooter was charged with hate crimes because in the infinite wisdom of many of our lawmakers, when a white guy kills a black guy or vice versa, 
apparently killing someone because of their skin color is worse than just killing somebody. The second shooting of 22 in Uvalde, Texas, had its own set of strange circumstances. First of all, before the shooter entered the school building, he spent 12 full minutes outside the school shooting his gun at the funeral home across the street. This after crashing his vehicle behind the school. Then it took about an hour between when the first police engaged the shooter to when he was shot dead by police because they refused to enter the school. The excuse given was that he was barricaded in a classroom, the same classroom in which he killed virtually everyone. An off-duty Texas Border Patrol agent rushed into Robb Elementary with a shotgun he borrowed from his barber and rescued several dozen children and his daughter after receiving a text from his wife, who is a teacher at the school. Parents screamed at police outside the school to go in. U.S. Marshals handcuffed a mother who tried to go into the school. She was eventually uncuffed and she scaled the fence and went in and retrieved her child. What was the Democrats' response to the shooting? Well, as always, they're a one-trick pony. Take guns away from law-abiding citizens. When asked if we should make efforts to harden schools, you know, instead of putting stickers on the entrance announcing that it's a gun-free zone, which is nothing more than a shooting gallery for crazed killers, maybe we should arm some of the teachers? Or maybe we should have retired military and police and regular moms and dads patrol schools armed? Nope. According to the new White House press secretary, and just for those of you who care, she's the first black female and the first gay person to hold that position. She, she finds that very important. Anyways, according to her, Biden believes we have a pandemic of gun violence in America, and the only answer is taking guns away from people. Because, as you know, criminals will turn in their guns and they will never obtain them illegally. So let me get this straight, Democrats. We defend our president, congressmen, governors, celebrities, sporting events, jewelry stores, banks, office buildings, factories, and courts with guns. And we defend our children with a sign that reads, this is a gun-free zone. And then we call someone with a gun when there's an emergency. Oh yeah, that's brilliant. Amongst the Democrats' idiocy, Biden floated the unconstitutional idea of banning 9mm ammo. You know, because, quote, it blows a lung out of the body, end quote. Yes, he actually said that. I have an idea. Why doesn't the resident lead by example and issue an executive order requiring the Secret Service, Capitol Hill Police, FBI, Border Patrol, ATF, and all the other armed federal agencies to exclusively use 22 caliber ammo to do their job. Speaking of guns, dictator of Canada, Justin Trudeau, the same guy who went after the bank accounts of protesters earlier this year, now they're coming for their citizens' guns. They're going to stop the buying, selling, and transferring of handguns. Now let's turn our attention to the latest COVID news. As of May 13, 2022, the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, VAERS, has received more than 1.2 million adverse event reports since the introduction of the COVID-19 vaccines. It includes more than 28,000 deaths and 157,000 hospitalizations and 129,000 cases requiring urgent care and more than 190,000 cases requiring a doctor's visit. But is this news covered on the Alphabet Soup conspiracy media news outlets? Of course not, because their job is to parrot the National Democrats' talking points and make Biden look good. Just so you know, VAERS has 32 years of data on deaths from all types of vaccines worldwide. 
According to its data, the number of deaths remains steady at a few hundred per year until 2021, when it suddenly spiked to almost 22,000. So far this year, there's been almost 7,000 deaths reported. Hmm, what has changed over the last year or two to cause such an incredible spike in vaccine-related deaths? In November of last year, a whistleblower came forward and exposed three flaws in Pfizer's vaccine clinical trial. She is currently ensnarled in a wrongful termination lawsuit against the company. The three major flaws she cited are falsifying the data, early unblinding of the trial affecting the accuracy of the results, and finally three, they were very slow to respond to adverse events and not paying attention to the safety of participants. Now, I want to juxtapose that story with the fact that study after study has been coming out throughout the last few months about the detrimental impact of the vaccine. You have to read substacks from people like Stephen Kirsch, Dr. Robert Malone, Dr. Pierre Corey, Dr. Joseph Mercola, and Naomi Wolf in order to get this kind of information. Just to give you some flavor, consider the recent article by Naomi Wolf. Do you remember the 55,000 internal Pfizer documents which the, which the FDA asked a court to keep under wraps for 75 years? Well, thankfully, a court ordered the documents to be disclosed, with several thousand being released each month. Per Naomi, quote, our experts are serving humanity by reading through these documents and explaining them in lay terms. Here's some of what they found out of the May document dump. Pfizer knew in May of 2021 that 35 teenagers' hearts had been damaged a week after the mRNA injection, but the FDA rolled out the emergency use authorization for teens a month later anyway. No press release was issued about the harm to people's hearts until August of 2021, after thousands of teens were vaccinated. Here's another. Pfizer, and thus the FDA, knew in December of 2020 that the mRNA vaccines did not work because they waned in efficacy and presented vaccine failure. The documents also revealed that the assurance that the vaccine is safe and effective for pregnant women was based on a study of 44 French rats that they followed for 42 days. In the internal trials, there were over 42,000 adverse events and more than 1,200 people died. Four of the people who died died on the day they were injected. Of course, people who have tried to raise any of these issues have been deplatformed, censored, fired, and or lost their medical license. In another study conducted by Stephen Kirsch, he presented statistical analysis showing that nobody under the age of 60 should take the COVID vaccine. We have seen an exploding level of blood clots due to the vaccine over the last few months. Another recent study found that the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccines go into liver cells and is converted to DNA. This despite assurances that the spike protein remains near the injection site. Another lie. So basically, they knew. Former Pfizer VP Michael Yadin said in May that since the fatality rate of COVID has been overestimated, the vaccine should not have been mandated. Quote, the worst flu seasons over the last decade is worse than the threat posed by this new virus. And what do we do in response to seasonal influenza? Well, nothing really beyond offering but not mandating vaccines, which aren't much use, end quote. Several top FDA officials, including the commissioner, Robert Khalif, admitted that Americans will now have to accept COVID-19 as another respiratory virus, comparing it to influenza. Huh, wonder where he found that out. This should be no surprise to anyone who listened to anyone outside Fauci, the CDC lady, and the dumbass Surgeon General. 
So why were all these people who have been saying this all along censored, derided, had their licenses threatened and revoked? Eden also argued that natural immunity was obviously stronger than any protection from the jabs and cited an article with 150 different studies attesting to the naturally acquired immunity. Quote, it was never appropriate to attempt to end the pandemic with a novel technology vaccine. In a public health mass intervention, safety is the top priority, more so even than effectiveness, because so many people will receive it. And finally, he said, it's simply not possible to obtain data demonstrating adequate longitudinal safety in the time period any pandemic can last. This is the money quote. Those who pushed this line of argument and enabled the gene-based agents to be injected needlessly into billions of innocent people are guilty of crimes against humanity. Dr. Robert Malone published similar they-knew information during the month. He wrote, the COVID vaccine makers knew of many of these risks and adverse events, and yet never formally disclosed them to patients. I think there are many in the legal profession that are looking at this and raising questions about whether, in fact, it does meet the criteria for fraud in terms of withholding information. There are many people now who have vaccine damage, and they are not able to be compensated. He goes on to explain that the majority of people hospitalized for COVID-19 now are vaccinated individuals. And he says, quote, the more doses of these products that you receive, the higher your risk for infection, disease, and death compared to those that remain unvaccinated. The key caveat being that most who are unvaccinated probably have natural immunity. According to data released by the CDC, higher COVID-19 case rates have been recorded among fully vaccinated children than unvaccinated in the age groups of 5 to 11 since February. So what the hell's the point of the vaccine? With all that said, is it any surprise that the results of a survey by the Surgeon General asking about sources of COVID misinformation showed that the public overwhelmingly believe that the federal government, scientists, and scholars are the greatest source of COVID misinformation? We need to get that shit over to the Ministry of Truth. And finally, NBC News reported breaking news about the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop, showing his firm earned $11 million from 2013 to 2018 via his role as an attorney, a board member of a Ukrainian firm, and his work with a Chinese businessman. The contents of Hunter's laptop have, of course, been available online since 2020 for anyone to report on. Hell, check out episode 184 for a deep dive on that topic. Thanks for nothing, NBC News. And that's the truth about May 2022. Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast.